Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you happen to be in the world. Welcome to the CPE Today podcast. My name is Steve Yass, and as always, I'm joined with my good friend and colleague, Randy Johnson from K2 Enterprises. Randy, how are you doing today? Excellent, Steve, and such an, a pleasure to speak with you and our listeners about all of these CPA firm technologies. There's so much going on, and we're going to try to pick off, I think, the most important things right now. Absolutely. You know, we're, we're here. It's at the end of May at the time of this recording. Uh, we've come to the close. I think most accountants have, have not only finished whatever it be busy season with audit and, and, and accounting engagements or tax season for many public practitioners. They've gotten through their quarterly stuff here for uh, April 30th. I think most folks are probably just getting their head up, right? You know, getting a breath of fresh air for the first time in what seems to be years or months yeah certainly with uh, the pandemic it might be years but it's also been interesting to watch people you know getting out of the office now trying to attend events we saw a little of that in the prior year but much of it this year and this is the first time in a while uh, practitioners have had a chance to be thoughtful and the most common thing that comes up seems to be single portal you know, my favorite phrase from a managing partner uh, late last year, mm. Steve, was, you know, our firm got splinters in our fingers. Instead of taking the splinter out, we just put a Band-Aid on it. And he said, now we got a bunch of Band-Aids on our fingers and it's yeah. time to go fix this. And I thought that was a brilliant analogy. And by the way, that particular firm had eight portals that they were interfacing with their clients mm -hmm. with and mm -hmm. and he and the the team members were frustrated the clients were frustrated oh, yeah. they they just wanted to get to a single portal so i think the number one initiative out there from a technology perspective uh, is this idea of a single portal yeah absolutely so you mean like kind of like a single source of truth you know from the accountant to the client you know within the firm itself accountant to third-party stakeholders, like one place to go to get my documents, one place to go to exchange information with my practitioner. Is that what you're kind of thinking? That's exactly what it's about. One way in, one way out. And that the, this is actually more of a team member play than it is a client play, although both benefit. Okay. But instead of having to think, okay, which portal am I using today? Which transfer mechanism am I using today? You could just use one. And as you're thinking about this, I think it's important to figure out what you want your portals to be able to do. Sure. Now, I tend to like to collaborate end to end. If it's tax process, all the way from engagement letter to PBC documents, all the way pulled into trial balance if it's business, into 1040 work papers if it's personal, through the tax software, through prep, pushed back out into returns pushed out for e-signature and off to payment. And, you know, that end-to-end -end process is just one of many end-to-end -end processes that you might have. But I think you got to be thoughtful about what role you want your portals to play with your clients and what technologies come into play, how easy, how comprehensive you need your PBC uh, you know, document gathering to be and whether or not you want to use it for tax and audit and client accounting services and wealth sure. management or any sure. other specialty areas that you have. So all of those come into play. But, you know, the other back end of that is how are you getting paid? 
And it's been interesting to watch how many providers are trying to break into the CPA firm marketplace for payment purposes. Yes. Yeah. You know, it just seems that a lot of practitioners, especially the smaller practitioners, are always chasing AR, you know, and that just seems like a poor use of resources. Or, you know, um, they put up barriers between themselves and getting payment from their clients, you know, rather than either getting it at the time of delivery, you know, they're, they're sending invoices out and waiting 30, 60, 90 days sometimes to get paid, you know, from, from their, you know, clients when they could just have a portal and yes, you're going to pay a credit card discount, you know, the, in, the related fees for that. But you know, what, what's it mean to get your, not have to chase these people and have to, you know, find payments sometimes months after the fact. Well, in fact, Steve, that's part of the reason when um, our group began teaching CPA firms how to build client accounting services practices. Uh, it's hard to believe that's been 25 years ago at this point in the late 90s. We said, look, you should get paid in advance for your work. You should determine a flat fee for this client accounting service work and get an ACH entry on the 25th. So you're not even really making invoices. You're just fulfilling monthly payments. Now, yes, do we adjust? Absolutely. If we've overbid, underbid, we make adjustments on these. But notice whole heck of a lot different doing an ACH than even paying a credit card discount rate. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually like being paid in advance of doing work. I don't know about you. Of course. Of course. You know, <laughs> if it's something I could do to to kind of, uh, you know, get to get those dollars ahead of time. I mean, I'd rather have it in my pocket than than anywhere else. And uh, I feel a heck of a lot more motivated to want to do that work, you know, when when I'm not having to when it's easy to work with somebody, it's a delight when it's difficult to work not even the money can make it feel great. You know, like money has to be so great that, uh, you know, it makes all the other headaches, especially when you're having to chase people after the fact, or if you have a client complaining about fees, it's like, ah, it's not worth it. You know, especially if it's a tax return for a couple hundred bucks. Yeah, that's, that's completely ineffective, but you know, this whole issue of e-signatures mm -hmm. because of the pandemic, many firms that were not doing e-signatures all of a sudden realized they had to have it. And of course, in the CPA world, because of knowledge-based authentication or KBA, there were only a few products that actually did KBA, uh, Adobe Sign and DocuSign and Write Signature and, and so forth being a few examples. You know, you really have to think about how you get sign-offs on both engagement letters on the front end and let's say 8879 delivery on the back sure. end. And so integrating engagement letter processing and e-signatures might be part of your portals as well. So when you start thinking about your goal for a single portal for your firm, you might think about what products in the market are easy to use, which have great collaboration. Uh, I think it's important that these portals maintain security. Uh, I think it's pretty critical to have e-signature uh, incorporated as well. And along the way, I think what this does really improves your uh, staff utilization along the way. And to me, this is about open communication and improving team member yes. productivity and experience and, and client experience. Yes. Yeah. You know, Randy, help me, help me think about this, you know, cause I've worked in public accounting off and on for many years, but like, how does somebody even end up with like multiple portals? You know, like how does that even like a thing inside of a business? 
You know, like the only thing I can come up with is that you got just different people inside an organization making different decisions at different times, you know, and then you're stuck yeah. with uh, the tech debt, you know, from those different decisions that people had made over time. Yeah, that's absolutely uh, right. In fact, before we began podcasting today, I actually had a call with a firm that, you know, implemented a portal over a decade ago that I recommended. And we were talking about what has to happen next, because there are lots of portal tools out there. And in fact, Steve, historically, I've talked about them in seven different cuts. And uh, that sounds almost like too many, but that's that actually seemed to be right. There were those that were in, uh, integrated with your document management, those integrated with your practice management, those that were technology driven and so forth. Yeah. And, and in the uh, in the technology world, as you well know, you could use something like Microsoft Teams and SharePoint as a portal, mm -hmm. or you could use something like Zoho as a portal. But, you know, if you made those decisions independently, uh, all of a sudden you've got lots of different portals in play. And if you think about collaboration tools, the Slacks and the Asanas and the Trellos of the world, and I know you've used some of those tools historically, yeah. in a lot of cases, you've gone more to the Google Workspace or the Microsoft 365 strategies just to have fewer tools. I think I've heard you say it before. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you know, it, it may not do everything that I need, but fewer tools is better. Absolutely. I, and that's, that's how I feel about the 365 platform is that, you know, each of these tools, like, you know, there's a handful that are like, obviously the the best of breed, like Excel is the best of breed. I think SharePoint from a, from a internal messaging and, and file sharing is probably best teams for sure from a messaging, but like other of their ancillary tools like Planner, it's not the best, you know, Trello, which is also a Caban style swim lane management tool is awesome. Um, but I won't use it for no other reason than like, I just don't want something outside the ecosystem. Yes, there's limited integration between those different products, but you know, like a, it's an additional subscription fee. And I don't know about you, Randy, I'm coming to the end of my wits with respect to the services I have to pay for every month. Uh, but then I've got this Island of data. You know, and, and what do you do a year from now when that data island's gotten a little bit bigger and the bridge you made is very limited? You know, you're going to retrofit it and put in a four lane highway? Probably not. You're going to limit, you're going to limp along until it's unbearable, you know, versus using a product yeah, like Planner, which maybe isn't the best, but got all your major functionalities and all the data is under one roof, data governance, security, everything. I don't have to think about it. It's in one place. Yeah, and Steve, I, I was exactly where you were at in 2021 with well, what I called subscription exhaustion. Yeah. You know, we, we bought a lot of things in response to pandemic or pre-pandemic. And, you know, when I started looking at all the different subscriptions I had and what I was using, it's like, why, why am I paying for that? Why am I paying for that? You know, that happens to people on streaming services too. Oh, yeah. You know, a lot of people just subscribe. In fact, a funny uh, family conversation happened where people were talking about, I'm not taking that three months free of Apple TV because I'll get unsubscription. I'll never get it unsubscribed. Can I share a right? quick story with but, you? Oh, yeah. So I, as I mentioned, uh, you know, my family was up over Memorial Day and my mom uh, uh, took it upon herself to subscribe me to Paramount Plus. And I got an email this morning letting me know that my subscription had uh, expired and they were charging my credit card 9.99 a month going forward i was like thanks mom just one more subscription services 
you know i think she's probably <laughs> watching yellowstone or something like that and you know it's so easy you don't even think about it and uh you know click 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 and all of a sudden you're signed up and when you do it through in our case we have a lot of the fire sticks here in, in the house like they'll sign up automatically just by engaging in certain content now i mean they're just so eager to get those subscription dollars Steve, just to give you a perspective on this, to my last count, there mm -hmm. are 22 portal solutions for CPA firms. And I think there's a few that are kind of the best at team experience and at client experience. And by name, those three as examples might be Lysio and SmartVault and Suralink. Uh, notice that all three of those are not from the big providers. They're not from Walters Kluwer and they're not from Thomson Reuters and they're not from uh, Intuit or from uh, HG Capital Iris, the big providers, yeah. the profession. But I do believe that they're doing a really good job in their respective areas. Now, what can happen is generic portals that I've recommended for years like Sharefile absolutely are used by a lot of firms, but again, they're fairly generic in their approach. And a lot of the legacy portals from Thomson Reuters yeah. or CCH Net client look and, yeah, document DMS system from Lucert, yeah, those things. Yeah. Yeah, they they are getting long in the tooth and they 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 really need to be considered for, you know, exchange. Now, if you had a tax only practice, certainly you could use something like SafeSend, but SafeSend isn't cheap compared to a lot of these uh, platforms. And uh, so, you know, again, there's lots of pros and cons on every one. But if you go back to our suggestion about things that are important to your team and important to your clients and drop the maximum bottom line dollars to the firm because of productivity gains. I think these portal platforms like uh, Lysio, Smart Vault, SureLink certainly fall in that category. So, you know, we could talk almost at great length about some of these tools in terms of what they do. But if you begin to picture that there's a single place for every communication coming into your firm to pass through, and with Lysio, it can be email or text message or portal activity and likewise you can go out and request mm. documents and have them brought back and you can drop them directly into your document management or your tax platform and likewise you can out of your tax platform or out of your audit platform prepare a client deliverable and send it back and the client can interact with you on a mobile device a smartphone or a, a tablet do their e-signature mm -hmm. and, and, you know, basically they're getting an end-to-end -end experience, Steve. Yeah. Yeah, no, I get that. And, you know, with the, with the legacy tools out there and, and I probably have the most familiarity with the Intuit and uh, Thompson products, like it just seems like, I mean, they're, they're, I'm not going to say they're like a relic of a prior generation, but I just don't know why they didn't keep up with contemporary practices. You know, it's like they, these tools completely overlook like, text messaging as an, as an option. I got clients that all they do is text, you know, I've got clients that yeah. uh, engage with me on a variety of these mechanisms and they've become so rigid in like a 2006 way of working that I think it hasn't kept up with where clients want to communicate. And unfortunately we have to meet our clients where they want to connect. Otherwise they're just going to find a practitioner who will. Um, yeah. And in fact, in the case of Thompson Reuters net client CS, 
uh, Steve, I'm going to backdate you even further sure. because we, we were doing design work in 1998 on that platform. And a lot of the things that we put in in 1998 are still there. Now, for our listeners, you kind of have to think back. In 1995, internet and browsers were still pretty doggone new yeah. to a lot of people. So, you know, we were kind of making stuff up as we went. Yeah. But a lot of the stuff that we made up is still the way it's being done. And you're right. How many people got text messages in 1995 or the year 2000? Yeah. You know, it, it, admittedly, text messages predate smartphones. And just for the record, you know, uh, cell phones are 50 years old this year, first released on April 3rd of, of 1973. So most people don't think about yeah. it being a 50-year anniversary of cell phones. But text messages, they were a later arriver, but they certainly predated, you know, all of our cell, our smartphones. Yeah, if I remember correctly, I think it was Motorola. It was a guy named Martin Cooper uh, at Motorola who made the first phone call in New York. And he called his uh, competing, like, you know, scientist, engineer, whomever to say, hey, guess what I'm doing right now? You know, I'm making a call with no wires, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, pretty precious. And, you know, uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to buy a lot of these technologies through years. I wrote a column about all these cell phones, but, you know, one of our first cell phones occupied the majority of our company car trunk. Sure. Sure. I mean, it was, it was a massive doggone piece of equipment. You know, with, with any technology looking back, it just seems like it's a straight line. We got from here to there and it just seems like it was obvious, you know, that this technology would become so pervasive and ubiquitous, but it's incredible to think about in the sense that uh, how widespread things like social media or things like um, text messaging for the most part have become in, in the sense of like, just they're so universal. Something I like to say with respect to like mobile, whether it be social media on mobile or app on mobile, text on mobile, this is the most intimate device people have now. It's often the first thing we look at in the morning, the last thing we look at at night. And if you're not meeting your client, on this, and there's a very good chance outside of work, this is their computer now. You know, their mobile phone is what they are doing to buy on Amazon or to watch Netflix or to send a, a social media message to a friend. I mean, you're missing a huge opportunity, especially for, especially for younger clients, you know, that that might, again, only be the device that they have these days. Yeah. And, you know, uh, over the last few years, as I've kind of tuned up my thinking in this area, Steve, I've often called it the like Burger King, have it your way. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is the client wants it their way anytime, anywhere, anyway. And in some cases, like you just pointed out, they'll only communicate with you via text. Others will use email or phone or computer, but you know, uh, unfortunately, some clients use all. Yes. And, you know, in effect, as firms, what we have to do is provide interfaces to our clients, however they want to interact with us, I believe. And it should be easy for the client. And if they're, if it's not easy, they'll be frustrated. If it's hard, they will be frustrated. And by the way, the same thing happens inside because the second most common problem in CPA firms right now is getting the right people. And if you're frustrating your people, you're more likely to lose them. Yeah. And uh, that's a real problem. So, you know, for the team members, they need to have everything they need to work on a project, have everything 
ready and, and, and set to go and make it easy to work with the clients and so forth. And so for them, it's easy means efficient, meaning they're not frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. And uh, the client's not always right, but the client's always the client. So um, whether, whether this is what you want them to use or not, you know, that's, uh, that's definitely something that could be very frustrating for, uh, for them. So, yeah. but yeah. And so, you know, on this single portal, Steve, just one kind of oh, please. minor point, but maybe a final point in this area, your portal needs to integrate with your other systems. So you need to be thoughtful about what system you want to use because, you know, we could talk about efficiency and all that stuff, but we are going through some pretty radical technology changes for our firms. Changes in tax software, changes in audit software, changes in practice management, changes in document management. And you got to figure out where you're going to take everything because historically, a lot of firms, including I know your dad's firm, used a single provider of software. And, you know, this idea of single publisher versus best of breed, it's been pretty interesting to watch the transition dates and globally to more of a best of breed approach because the single publishers aren't giving a broad enough platform, complete enough platform to get everything done. Unlike Microsoft 365, which, you know, in the global, in the productivity world, they, they got pretty much everything you need inside the one platform now. Yeah. Yeah, I know. And it's such an incredible, hard to say no to situation with 365. I mean, it's such a, a, uh, useful tool you know even comparing it to like zoho's offering or or workspace from google i mean I, the thing i always come back to is like i mean you're still gonna have to pay for excel you know you're not gonna accept anything other than excel as your option so i get it yeah yeah so you know notice that this whole idea of being able to collaborate is a big deal but you know i think another one he talked about which is a big deal is just getting the pricing right too sure because um you know, sorry, the payments, I said pricing, but it's really payments because in effect, you want to be able to receive your payments from whichever vendor that you uh, choose to use. And, you know, on that line, there have been a lot. And by the way, my number on this is about 30 providers to our CPA firms for payment purposes. Now you got your general guys, the PayPal's and the stripes and the squares and whatnot, but the ones that are most commonly fitting our CPA firms are vendor a charge or quick fee, which, you know, do a pretty good job on lots of features. Now, one thing that is a big trend on payments is the binary craze, yeah. which, you know, that's most everybody's putting that in there. But you, you also have to think about, can we do ACH? automated clearinghouse, the bank transfers that we talked about earlier in our session. Can we do international SWIFT transfers? See, a lot of these platforms, they can do credit cards or they can do some sort of alternate payment, but that's about it. So you need to think about what it is is productive for your firm. And again, there's not, not a few, there's dozens and dozens of these alternatives available. And as we go through the summer, we're also going to see, you know, the, uh, the evolution of the FedNow system, which is ACH same day 
transfers. So much like on payment systems where we've had Zelle and Venmo and those types of products, we're going to see an, a same-day ACH capability that is, has been tested for about four years go live in 2023. And that will actually hurt some of these mm -hmm. credit card payment approaches and ACH approaches because you can just set it up and, you know, in effect, you wind up uh, doing all of the plumbing for your firm from your clients to your bank account. Yeah, and that that's straight through the U.S. government, right? That's the Federal Reserve, I think, that's got that, that process set up. Yeah. Yep, the Federal Reserve has it set up. And like I said, it's been tested in several Fed districts, Fed 1, 2, and 10 that I'm aware of. But again, it's supposed to go, you know, national uh, this year. So it'll be a little bit of a um, a timing issue with your firm's bank as to are they supporting it and is their core processor supporting that as well? Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm you know, I'm familiar with what that service is. And I'll point out, it, it feels that like, this is stuff that, uh, frankly, the U.S. is late, late to the party. I know, like, Canada, for example, has had instant online payments for forever, you know? And it's like, why is this just mm -hmm. coming in now? But, uh, you know, there's a whole industry, you know, whether it be the Melios or the Corpays or the PayPals that are all designed to bridge that gap between, you know, consumers where instant payment hasn't been an option. You know, Venmo's, the Cash App. That you're going to be able to do directly now with just the fed now and the fees on this are extremely re reasonable you know just looking at the yeah, uh, right. the pricing of either origination or receiving a payment from somebody straight to your bank account and at volume you know i could see how this could be an absolutely preferred system compared to uh uh compared to really kind of anything else on the market right now and so practitioners should definitely yeah, be signing up for it they should, you should keep your wits about you on this because it will be a changing marketplace, just like you've probably seen things like spend management. And if you're running a client accounting services business, you heard Steve mention CorePay and Melio as examples, but you have, you know, Divi and many, many others that are in this spend management space yeah. that uh, CorePay occupies. And frankly, you know, using these to originate ACH, to issue checks, to, you know, just handle the whole AP side of the practice isn't a bad deal, too. And let's face it, all of our firms pay bills. And, you know, maybe you're paying your bills with ACH today. But I did note that both uh, checks cash ratios are down again so far this year in the United States. So we're becoming a lot more paperless, wireless, if you will, on our payment systems. Sure, sure, sure. So you tell me, Randy, then for a portal solution, I should be looking for something that's got this payment option built into it and e-signature. Why, why hassle my clients and have a couple of different options for them, you know, and different systems that they're using, but rather, you know, kind of have it all integrated into one solution from one vendor. Yeah, I think that's actually the the trick here is you have to ask yourself the right questions. You know, we started early off in this session with, you know, some of the things that I think are important, but I would class this as an end-to-end -end experience. What do you want to have as an end-to-end -end experience in the services that you offer clients? If you're dominantly a tax shop, your answer is different than if you're a tax and a client accounting services cash shop. And that's different than if you're an audit shopper, it's different.
different if you're a wealth management shop. So you have to think about every function in the firm. I'll, I'll use the word that I like in this area. You have to think holistically, and then you have to act kind of locally on each of these problems, trying to get to a single solution. Now, you and I both uh, believe that some of these products are among the best available. Uh, you know, again, by name, uh, Lysio is in this class, Sherlink's in that class, SmartVault's probably in that class. And, you know, when we start thinking about these types of players, you can get demonstrations of their platforms and you'll realize pretty quickly that they have thought about mobile. They have thought about e-signature. They have thought about the process that you have to go through. And they have tried to price themselves in such a way that, you know, you can do everything you need to do and the client can do everything that they need to do. Sure. I'm sure you have been frustrated by, you know, a big old JPEG that you receive from a client instead of a PDF. Yeah. And these platforms allow a user to take a picture with their tablet or their smartphone and convert it to a PDF. Well, that's a heck of a lot easier in most situations. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so as well. And, you know, it's, it's not until you actually try to import in that, uh, that image, you know, into your DMS and it's saying, sorry, I can't accept this, you know, like, and then, you know, where I find like for myself, uh, you know, somebody who's, I consider myself tech savvy, at least most of the time, I programmed my microwave earlier this morning. It, you know, it's a brand new microwave and I got it on like the 10th try. So I felt pretty smart for a minute, but, uh, um, I would tell you that, um, you know, the practitioner often will get most frustrated. I feel in the instance where they, um, it's the steps where the workflow is a little bit different when you do get that, that TIFF image or that, that, you know, bitmap image, you know, because the client didn't know any better. And then all of a sudden you've got, uh, you've got to be able to, to import that in and they don't have the skills necessary to take it into Photoshop and resave it as a different file. They don't have the skills necessary to, you know, kind of pre-process this or, you know, actually funny enough, I, I was dealing with a family member who needed to send me a picture of a legal document that I needed to submit to a bank and they were doing it through their phone. Right. And, um, you know, they, they were too zoomed in and it was skewed and I couldn't read the top. I couldn't read the bottom. I mean, like it's all that kind of stuff. Like, I mean, it's fine if they hand you the document, but like once the second it gets a little bit more technical, then they breaks down and the practitioner has to call somebody to help them. And then all of a sudden it takes way more time than just mailing it to them, you know? So. Yeah. And, you know, one of the new evolutions here this year was from Smart Vault, where they can actually uh, handle all of the production of documents auto-filing them into the document management system. So they have done this for some time with Lacerte and Pro Series, but they just actually demonstrated in uh, May of 2023 that they have it working for Ultratex. So all the people who felt that they were locked in on Thomson Reuters platforms all of a sudden are now seeing uh, Smart Vault break apart the documents and autofile it just like happened with file cabinet CS and net client CS. Yeah. That's pretty interesting. What well, turns out Lysio is doing the same type of thing. And so these third party products are quite aware of the world that they live in. They know that they're CPA firm centric 
and they're dealing with all of the mobile app, the portal, the email, the document exchange, the e-signature, and all the documents, notes, working papers that have to be done, and usually text, like we talked about earlier, and email, because we have so many different systems that we're interacting with. We're looking for that single place to do everything. Yes. Well, tell me a little bit. You got Lysio up here. Tell me a little bit about Lysio and maybe why this yeah, might be a good option. Well, you know, part of the things that I like about Lysio include its scanning capability, where again, you can take pictures and convert them to PDF, as we've already discussed. It de-skews, it OCRs, all that type of stuff. It also uh, allows the practitioner to maintain a list of open items and share that list to the client. And all of your team members can see that and there's notifications about what's missing, that to-do list. They also have unlimited storage. Uh -huh. So there's no charge for storage, no charge by client. So you can put all completed engagements of all kinds in their files section. They actually have kind of a print driver, Steve, called Dispatch. And the bottom line is anything you can print from yeah. will file things directly into Lysio. So it's kind of like a, a kind of a big deal. If you've got a solution that doesn't have an export option, you know, or you're not savvy enough to, to navigate that. I know a lot, especially when people are using tools like uh, remote desktop. You know where it's it's not on their computer it's out in the cloud somewhere citrix like i can have this on my computer it's a print driver just like i can print to create a pdf i can print you know but in fact the output's going directly up to my lysio porter straight to the provider it is and it just as important it's tagging it and in today's world data. it's intelligently yeah. tagging. that's right it's actually automatically setting up the metadata metadata for client name and year and month and any other tags that you want to use. So that's kind of a big deal. And of course, there's integrated e-signature with Adobe in their particular case. Yeah. So it is a knowledge-based authentication platform. And just overall, it's a very, very uh, nice experience in, in general. But the vendor is moving this thing very, very rapidly as it turns out. Because what they're really doing is integrating this messaging of email and text and portals and putting it all into kind of one place so you can get this nice all-in-one experience. Yeah. So, you know, I think what I'd like to note is that a lot of larger firms are uh, incorporating Lysio in their plans this year because of this email integration, the text SMS integration, also, the PBC for tax and CAS, as well as the delivery mechanism for tax and CAS, as well as audit pieces. So, you know, as I watch how this vendor of Lysio is incorporating e-signatures and payment portals and all sorts of other features, that's very promising. Just like we're seeing promising progress with their competitor of Surelink, you know, they Surelink has been around a long time, very common. Uh, in the audit world, many people are familiar with it because of its integrations into caseware and into CCH engagement. But you know their approach is trying to make things efficient and trying to uh, make sure that all the PBC requests are being satisfied and minimizing communication issues. 
So it is a, kind of a new way to improve efficiency and visibility and communication. And frankly, that's part of what this whole podcast session has been about. How, how do we improve our client and team member experiment, experience? And portals, frankly, are part of the way we get yeah. that done. That single portal deal, to me, is a big deal. Now, you still need all the security in place, you know multi-factor encryption and encrypted at rest and all, you know, yeah. all the security pieces. But I think all these vendors are pretty cognizant of it, Steve. Yeah, I would too. And, you know, data governance is only becoming more and more important, especially as we start to look at, for example, uh, some of the uh, regulations state by state, you know, whether it be the California Consumer Protection Act or, you know, uh, the Virginia similar legislation or the big one, you know, that a lot of these are based off on GDPR. I mean, there's some real like teeth to these frameworks that uh, that could cost the practitioner some pretty big issues if they're not following, let alone the fact that at least most small practitioners, these are your friends and family in a lot of the instances. And, um, you know, violation of that trust could be something that could cause great problems, both personally and professionally. Uh, it's no longer, compliance isn't a nice to have, it's a need to have. It can put you out of business if you don't follow it. You need a portal solution that's gonna be compliant with all the frameworks that you need to play by. Um, and then frankly, it's the right thing to do these days. Well, it is. And in fact, it's not only the right thing, but it's required by law. Because if you look at the, um, IRS regs 5293, 4557, 5708, which, you know, went into effect initially December 31, and now the FTC safeguard rule enforcement that began on June 9th of 2023, uh, it's $100,000 per yeah. incident and $10,000 per partner for a yeah. fine. Well, you know, that that's, I, I don't know what you're taking home from your firm, but you might notice a few hundred thousand missing if uh, you get selected for, you know, compliance on this particular issue. But you agreed that when you got your P10 and EFIN renewal, that you had a written information security plan in place and that you were following the processes of the FTC safeguard rule, uh, you know, and these portals can help you, by the yeah. way. Yeah, I, I think it's... Uh it's it's no like different than any other tool it's a tool that can ultimately give you a better experience make you some money provide a better optimized workflow for your staff and more it's a win-win-win all the way around man you know and um frankly in today's environment i mean if you want to if you want to stay you know up to date and you want to attract good and savvy clients i really think this is something you have to have right you know like I think it is. And if you want to attract good and savvy team members, in yeah. fact, I'm actually taking it further now that uh, I think firms that have these type of technologies in place have a leg up on recruitment. And, you know, you may say, well, look, I'm not looking for people. Well, I'm happy for you. But most firms out there Are, need good people. Yeah. And, and there's just not a lot of options. Yeah. No, and I would agree with you on that. And you know, when it comes to just having an awful work experience, you know, it's, it's, you don't want that. I mean, you don't want it for yourself. You don't want it for your staff because it's going to hinder growth. And if you're not growing then frankly, you're, you're, you're shrinking, you know, that's really the only options you have here. Staying, staying at the same level, just the natural attrition of clients. I remember reading at one point, the average lifespan of a firm's client was seven years, I think. 
you know so even if you stay stagnant year over year that 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 attrition will kick in at some point you're just going to find out you're working with less than you were the year before and then you find yourself into this negative feedback loop where it just keeps shrinking and shrinking you know you got to look around and you say is it them or is it me and you know nobody wants to play ball you know with somebody who wants to play by 1920 baseball rules you know like you want to be able to stay up to date with where the game is today yeah, so, you know, you've got to stay up with the pitch clock, if you yeah. know, which is sped up the game, right? But, you know, in the in the big picture of these issues, it is also real clear to me that if we can make the experience better, you will have a significant competitive advantage. Yeah. And and again, I'm, I'm not saying that you should or shouldn't grow. And I was listening to your explanation on the numbers and you know, one of the things I was trained on when I was a uh, uh, you know, leader in a civic club is they said you had to recruit new members every year because, you know, people move, they lose interest, they die. Uh, if you don't add new members, you're actually yeah, shrinking. Yeah. And, you know, I have, I've always kept that in mind. And it really is true, I think, in most businesses, too. If you're not adding new clients, you're shrinking yeah. because natural attrition occurs whether you like it or not and none of us care for it but you know what are the two sure things death and taxes something like that man i agree i agree so brass tax for our listeners and and for the greater accounting community uh maybe give us your maybe your three takeaways from your perspective of what i should be looking for for in a portal and then any specific solutions you think would be useful uh that you think they should look into well, well, a, a good question, and there's probably more than three, but I'll try to limit sure. it to that. Uh, I'm going to say ease of use, security, and integration of key features. So notice I'm going to cheat on you a little bit here, like PBC and payments and sure. workflow. Those inter the integration is my real third answer. And, you know, when it comes to that, uh, I I know all of the products out there, I believe. I've looked at all of them. And, you know, right now, the market leaders in this area, I think, are Lysio, uh, SureLink, and SmartVault. I should have kept them in alphabetical order, which is the way I've done it throughout. Lysio, SmartVault, and SureLink. Yeah, okay. Those three seem to come along uh, very much. Yeah, yeah. And for the practitioners I've talked to, I mean, uh, everybody seems to have a pretty good experience with all of them. And, uh, you know, uh, you know, just just like you got Coke, you got Pepsi, you got other brands of soft drink. Everybody's got their own particular flavor. You know, I will tell you that anytime you have competitor products, it's nice to look at them all. I like having contrast. Like, oh, I like this interface, or oh, I like this feature, or, oh, I like the fact I can customize the template, or this touches this type of application. I like that's, you know, with any of these solutions, you should look at all of them, um, and then ultimately find one that it's a good fit for you. You know, and for your particular organization, your needs. It might be on price, it might be on platform, it could be, hey, you know, the sales team was easy to work with, and they migrated all of my data. But it just seems very clear to me if you stick with the old way, just using the simple portals provided by the by the publishers, the Intuits and the CCHs and Thompsons of the world. You're missing out on that single source of truth and you're missing out on on you know the the touch points and the integration the fact that these are not the only applications that we're using we're using a lot of different stuff and getting data into these portals provided by these publishers are difficult you know but at least it touches ultra tax or pro systems or whatever or the other route is you just kind of hodgepodge a solution together and you you know you maybe you sharepoint maybe you share file maybe you use dropbox but 
you know, then you're really opening yourself up, I think, from the compliance and risk and security perspective, and it's an incomplete, inconsistent solution. And that doesn't seem like a good approach either. You know, I feel that this is software you're going to have to buy from somebody and uh, take a look at all of them because you're going to find that it's not just document storage and, and it's not just e-signature. It's not just payment. It's a fact that this takes the place of an administrator in some instances. Yeah, and I have seen some studies that I are uh, been done by firms, and I'd like more than just a few of these, but I've seen as much as 10% productivity gains by these single portal approaches. And if those numbers are right, because those, by the way, are measured, and so I know that they're right for the firms they've been measured in, but if we could say in general, get to a single portal and get a 10% productivity gain, what a big deal. But let's just say it's 5% or 3% gain. What are you going to do with the extra hours in your week yeah. if you get those extra hours? I always call it time travel. You know, it's, it's, uh, I've heard, uh, Elon Musk describe owning a private jet as like time travel because, you know, when he shows up, the jet takes off when he lands, he's there like 24 hours a day, you know, that he can get more productivity out of an eight hour day than the normal person who can with travel because he can go point to point. And I feel like this is kind of the same thing, you know, like all these things take time, they take money, they take effort, but if you use them and leverage them correctly, you're time traveling. You're gonna get 10 hours of productivity out of an eight hour day and you might not need that administrator. If you add up that time over the course of the year, you might not need somebody in that role full time. It might be part-time or it might not be at all, you know? And beyond the fact that that's the way the client wants to interact with you. Imagine if Amazon only did mail order business or if you just only could fax your orders in. No, they're, they're meeting, the customer and engaging with the customer in the way that they want to be met and engaged with. And I feel like practitioners need to do the same thing. It is time, isn't it? Yep. Well, there's so many things we could talk about because these tools also give you workflow and they also give you, you know, a road uh, on-ramp for document management and so forth. But, you know, this particular topic has come up over and over and over again for practitioners here in the last two years, and it's up with a fervor this year. So I think our guidance here is clear uh, in terms of some of the benefits that you might get yeah. and some of the products you might care to look at. Yep, yep. Well, Randy, why don't we leave it at that for today? And for our listeners, um, if this topic interests you, I'm going to encourage you to check out CPE Today, cpetoday.com, where you can find courses on client portals, e-signatures, and solutions. We've got a variety of different events and courses where this content is featured, including our very well-accepted multi-state conference, tech conference, uh, which is being presented all throughout 2023 at your state societies and also with uh, CPE Today. Uh, across the country as well. And beyond that, we've got self-study courses and other webinars and events that could be helpful in you expanding and growing your practice uh, and more. And I'm sure we'll be back here soon. I know, Randy, I've got a couple more ideas I'd like to talk about for Firm Solutions. Uh, so please uh, consider subscribing wherever you happen to find your content, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and more uh, for our podcast. And, and hopefully we'll have some great insight for you in another episode just soon. As always, my good friend, thank you so much for your time and effort. It is a pleasure being with you. Well, it is a pleasure to speak with you, Steve, and all of our listeners. Mm -hmm. And we will be on the air again in the very near future. All right. Well, thanks, folks. Have a great rest of your day. And check out cpetoday.com and k2e.com for all of your continuing education needs for accounting and financial professionals. Best wishes and good luck to you all.